Fucking noon or good night, whenever the fuck you watch this. I mean, hey man, according to my numbers, people like to listen to this shit between the hours of 12 p.m. and 
5 p.m. So I guess these niggas is listening to this shit at work. But we're going to give y'all a little bit of that good old NBA talk. But before we get into that, right, I got a few things, man. You know, I got my 10 favorite albums list made. This ain't no, this ain't in no particular order. I just want to warn y'all before I get to my 10 favorite albums in 2021. The list that you saw was not my favorites. The list that you saw or that I explained was the 10 albums that were the best. Best and favorite, two different things. Your logic versus what you like is 10 different things. Some people try to combine it. Some people try to twist your words. But I'm going to get to it. I mean, first up on the list is obvious. I mean, J. Cole, that was the that was the album I listened to the most. I played most of the songs from there. If I would have ranked that, it would definitely be number one easy. I mean, the offseason was just like confirmation that this nigga was probably the best out of that generation or group. Even though I like Kendrick more, Cole is the best from that generation out of Kendrick, out of Drake, out of Wale, out of Crit. I think Cole will, you know, top the list with that album. I mean, punching the clock was so fucking aggressive. Applying pressure was so fucking aggressive. 95 South was so fucking aggressive. That's the type of music I like. You know, Pride is the Devil, him and Lil Baby going back and forth. Memorable. Hunger on Hillside. Y'all niggas don't know shit about basketball. Y'all don't know shit about boxing. I'm saying though, like, the perfect features. You know, 21 Savage, Moray, like, this was fucking incredible. Silk Sonic. Like, it's good that Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars brought back real R&B and showcased, like, every great decade of R&B with their songs. And it was just a very enjoyable album. It was no skips. It was short. It was sweet. It was straight to the point. Next up, that we had three now. This is three. Jasmine Sullivan. Hotels, dope-ass, dope-ass concept, and not to mention very, it was eight great songs, no skips on there, there's a lot of interludes, but that was the point of the record, everybody like, it's too many skits, I'm like, you gotta understand the concept of the album, I get it, you know, it's just women being open about their sexuality, you know, and a lot of women's sexuality, you know, they get depicted as Nasty, filthy, or hoes just <laughs> for expressing themselves sexually. And I got that whole concept from that album. I mean, some people may have different thoughts and opinions, but price tags, man. I couldn't I couldn't stop playing price tags. That was my shit. I'm saying like price tags. I couldn't stop playing that. The joint with Ari. I was like, oh my. God, yes, Lord. I mean, pick up your feelings. Always, 
man, that vocal control on Pick Up Your Feelings was the woo, woo, nigga, what? Bro, dog, dog, my nigga, dog. <laughs> and then, you know, she had duets with her. Man, that's up there. Now, the fourth album on this list, Conway the Machine, La Makina. Dope. Top to bottom. No skips. No skips. Like, you had Clarity. You had KD. You had Sister Abigail. You had um, Scatterbrain with Luda and G. You know what I'm saying? Like, that whole album was stupid with it. Then we got fifth on the list. We got Wale. Falarin 2. Dope moments. I mean, Caramel. More Love. I mean, that shit was sick, dog. Like, I'm telling you, Beverly Boulevard. I forgot the first track name on there. That was crazy. Track one on, on For Lauren 2, crazy. I mean, for real. For Lauren 2 was a classic, man. Um... Next up, sixth album on this list. This is no particular order, guys. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Nas King's Disease 2. Definitely a very, 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 very good album, man. Nas never got old. I mean, from moments to rare to, um, man, the features were crazy too, man. The composure was dope with Hit Boy. Crazy, crazy album. Death Row East. Like, dope album. Next up, West Side Gun Hitler's Where's Herman's Side A. I always get Side A and Side B confused, but I believe Westheimer was on Side A. And, um,. I forgot the name of the song that go, um, uh, ah, forgot the name of that record. God damn it. Man, West Side Gun released too many fucking, too much music, like 40 tracks. Like, it's hard to keep up with all those. I mean, I fuck, I mean, I think Draymond was on the second one. Oh, fuck it. I still like Side A way better than Side B. And the features were nuts. I mean, I think he had Jada. Oh, I think Hell on Earth Part Two was on the first one. Could be wrong, but I hope I'm not. But Hell on Earth Two was definitely crazy. Like Side B was good, but it wasn't Side A. Um, Eric Bellinger and Hitmaker uh, album. Stupid, stupid album, man. Like I, I liked all the songs on that one, man, because all of them were catchy. The beats were crazy, obviously. I mean, Hitmaker, one of the hottest producers in the game right now. Linking up with one of the more underrated R&B artists in the game. You can't lose with that combination at all. You feel me? Yeah. But anyway, right? Um, the ninth album on this list was also produced by Hitmaker in its entirety. And... That was Tink's album. Heated a moment. Man. Tink killed 
all them songs. I mean, my my highlight, my favorite highlights were "Fuck Me Better" and um, "Might Let You." But all the rest of the songs fit in well and built around those two major, major songs that I felt like should have been hit records to me. Um, last but totally not least, Baby Keem, The Melodic Blue. Although I didn't rate it as high as the other albums, it was one of my favorites to listen to because Keem is a dope-ass songwriter. Keem can spit a little bit, too. His songs are catchy, fire, and lit. Alright, so them are my top 10 favorite albums released in 2021. Now let's get, let's get down to business. I ain't got a time to play around. What is this? Alright. The Mavericks signed Isaiah Thomas. Shout out to the Mavericks. Because the Lakers signed uh, Thomas to a 10-day contract. And they did not renew that contract of Isaiah's. So the Mavericks ended up scooping him. Now, let me check the terms of this shit because I don't want to say he was signed for the season and it's another 10-day contract and Isaiah asked back out on the street. I want to make sure that this is for the rest of the season because the Mavericks could use him. Oh, okay. This was a ten, another 10-day contract. So I hope uh, Isaiah uh, stays with the Mavericks and hopefully it can contribute to their um, improvement because... They've been without their star player, Luka Doncic, for a good three four, three weeks. Because he had the COVID, then he got hurt. It's just bad, 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 bad timing. Uh-oh. Well, let me get the small shit out the way. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Uh-oh. The L.A. Fakers fooled y'all man y'all was gassed up after that Rockets game and LeBron had all those points and he had that him and Russell Westbrook had a triple double in the same game y'all was bringing y'all was bringing up historical shit oh man LeBron did it twice he did it with Lonzo when he did it with Russ we back baby eh? wrong last night they played a real team. They did not play the worst team in the Western Conference. They played the four-seed Memphis Grizzlies last night. That's what they did. Right? Right. You know, do y'all know that the Clippers, without their two best players, still have a better record than the Los Angeles Lakers? Now, let's look at the highlights of that game. We're not going to talk about last night's other games because this one... <clears throat> this one in particular is near and dear to my heart. The Memphis Grizzlies cleaned up the Los Angeles Lakers 104 to 99 despite LeBron having 37 points and 13 rebounds and 7 assists, which is pretty good. I like it. 13 to 25, 8 of 14 from 3. He shot well. Russell Westbrook shot 7 to 16, 2 of 4 from 3, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. And y'all want to blame Russ for losing this game. Malik Monk had 15 points. They only lost by five. So it isn't like, 
you know what I'm saying? The Lakers didn't have a shot. They did. They want to blame Russ for them losing the game, but LeBron had the crucial turnover at the end of the game that ended up in a, uh, what, 24-second violation or something? And it was like three. It was like uh, they were uh, down three with the game on the line. Nobody really wanted to shoot the ball, though. I don't understand. I know it would have been a bad shot, but at least try, motherfucker. But Ja Morant, allegedly, according to some statistics, right, they say that Ja Morant has the highest regular season points per game versus LeBron James. I know this is only his third year. I can dig it. But that's still a hell of a, a feat. He had 41 points and 10 rebounds. This nigga Ja said, give me the ball and watch me work. Six of seven from three. Wow. Ja Morant ain't shot that good from three in a long time. But this is the Los Angeles Lakers we talking about defensively. 13 of 27. Three blocks. Three blocks. Ja Morant came to kick ass and chew gum. And he's done chewing gum. That is crazy. Like, I have never seen a team. Like I said, the Lakers are 4-10 versus current teams that are above 500. And then also, another narrative I want to kill is... Stop with the LeBron needs help narrative. Please stop that. That man don't need no help. That man got help. The problem is the help, you're not playing defense and neither is the team. LeBron has more than enough offensive help. LeBron Offensively, is having one of his best seasons offensively. But he's one of the worst defensive players in the league. You want to know why? All you have to do is watch LeBron on the defensive side of the ball for the entirety that he plays, and you'll come to that conclusion. I'm not saying this to hate on this man. What's there to hate on when I just gave the man praise for being offensively gifted this year? He's putting up cute little numbers and shit, but it don't mean a thing without the W's or without defensive stops because you need to, the defensive stops to win the game. And they have lost five out of six, right? I don't recall them going on a five-game losing streak without, you know, with Anthony Davis. They didn't lose five straight with Anthony Davis. I know I talk shit about Anthony Davis. I only talk shit about Anthony Davis because I believe in Anthony Davis. I believe in Anthony Davis to this extent. That he should be better than what he has given the Lakers, his fans, the Lakers fan base. Now, I understand he's averaging 24 and 10. That's cool. But we need 30 and 15 from you. Because this team does not play defense. And even you have slacked defensively, sir. But I don't recall the Lakers going on 
a five-game losing streak with Anthony Davis in the lineup. So it's clear that this team is not playing no damn defense. And their defense has been sickening to watch as a team, not just LeBron. And Russell Westbrook, oh my God. The shots that he has missed and took this season, this nigga is hitting the top of the backboard. Oh my God. I understand why Lakers Nation is mad at him. I get that. I can understand why so many people are disappointed in him. I get it. But I have a question. Why is Russell Westbrook missing so many bunnies? Bunnies meaning missing layups, missing open dunks. Missing dunks that this man is jumping to dunk and missing the rim by two, three feet. And he's doing he's done this a lot this season. You know what this means? This mean this is a player that refuses. That refuses to believe that okay. I'm declining athletically. I lost my explosiveness. I lost my athleticism. And I can't do it like I used to do. So instead of charging at the basket, trying to dunk it, maybe I'll just lay it up. Maybe I'll use a floater. Maybe I'll do reverse layups. Like Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is one player that realized that he wasn't as athletic or as explosive as he was. So he focused on his finesse versus his explosiveness, and he was able to extend his career another five to 10 years. Despite him having, you know, ankle surgery or whatever the fuck, right? Russell Westbrook, I mean, Derrick Rose still turned out to be pretty damn good once he realized and sac- put his ego to the side and finessed the game. Russell Westbrook, you know, we... And then also, his character is something that I question. He gets all this praise for being mentally strong. But... He gets offended and he and he gets in his feelings when people talk shit about him though. That's not mentally tough at all. Sometimes, bro, you gotta ignore these motherfuckers when they're being ignorant. Like Ghost from Power said, the best response sometimes, I say sometimes, is no response at all. But all in all, I think that. It's time to trade Russell Westbrook right now. He doesn't fit the aesthetic of the Lakers right now. And I think if they trade him, I think a lot more shots will come to guys like THT, who is throwing up more bricks than Frank Lucas right now. More shots will come to Austin Reeves. More shots will come to Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Because Russ, with his reckless possessions... When his teammates do get the ball, they miss. And 
speaking of the Lakers and trades, the media is trying to force this narrative to trade Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a first-round pick for Jeremy Grant. Now, if I was the Pistons, would I take this trade? Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, we fucking suck anyway, and Jeremy Grant deserves to be on a better team. The Lakers are better than us. I mean, we are last in the fucking East. Easily, easily going to have enough lottery balls for this number one pick. Easy work. We ain't getting lower than two. Hell yeah, I'd take a trade. Yeah, I'd take a first round pick for Jeremy Grant and THT and Kendrick Nunn. I love Kendrick Nunn, but dude hasn't been healthy enough. He's always dealt with some injury or something. THT is a player with a lot of potential. If he's getting more possessions, he would be a lot better. Definitely would be a most improved candidate. I mean, Sadiq Bey is breaking out without Grant. So yeah, I would I would take uh, THT and Kendrick Nunn and a first round pick for Grant. Um, sad news out of Cleveland. Um, Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. Oh man, sad man because he was one of the reasons why. Um, Cleveland was one of those teams that are in the East thriving. So, uh, prayers up to Ricky Rubio, man. Um, Warriors and Nuggets game. I'm a little bit late on this, but I do want to talk about that. I do want to have a little chat with y'all about that game because that game was fucking amazing. The Warriors were down as many as 30 points. No one was hitting shit, Steph included. I was I was a uh, 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 completely amazed by um by uh, the Warriors comeback, and I knew it was gonna happen. Anybody with with two eyes can see that Golden State was going to come back in that game. I mean, the Nuggets ended up holding on and winning 89-86. to I mean, Austin Rivers had some comments about how he, how he was sick of the Warriors and how good they were. Now, Nikola Jokic did his thing in that, in that game. He had 22 points and 19 rebounds and four steals and a block. Woo, somebody's trying to repeat for MVP. But I don't think it's going to happen with the way that Steph is playing and the way that Kevin Durant is playing. Just saying. Despite the numbers. And Joker's numbers are obviously inflated because there's nobody else on that team that's playing right now that can get you 20 on a consistent basis. So Joker's number's gonna be nuts. Golden State, shit, Andrew Wiggins did pretty good in this game for a change. Steph on the comeback trail had 23. 
Toscano Anderson, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. And I think that he'll be a lot better. Otto Porter Jr. was the biggest disappointment to me. He didn't score any points that game. Oh, man, but that last possession, the last couple possessions, was confusing. And Steph looked at Jonathan Kaminga as he got his shot blocked by Joker at the end. Like, why would you do that? He looked at him and pointed his finger to the side of his head. Like, youngin', what were you thinking? How did you miss that layup? And why would you go at Joker, of all people, to score? But I think that that last possession, after that, that last possession was also on the Warriors as a team. Like, it's okay to shoot a mid-range jumper. 15 feet jump shots, they're not gonna expect that. Let's move on here. Knicks and Celtics are having issues with their team. The Knicks were expected to, to uh, break out this season. And it has been to no avail. Why, you may ask? Well, it's very simple. I mean, the Knicks have been inconsistent. It's just no other way that you can cut and slice this pie here. The Knicks have been inconsistent as hell. You know, whether it be closing the game, they would go on droughts, or they would simply just shoot too many goddamn shots. And, it, and it's also the fact that Julius Randle is the number one option. I mean, I love Julius Randle, and I respect what he has done. But Julius Randle should not be the number one option if you want to make a deep playoff run. Randle should be the number two playoff option for them. Not going to lie to you, tangle it or twist it, it, it any better. I can't make this shit up. The Knicks... I mean, they got pieces to make a trade for a number one option or a better number two option. Because, I mean, I guess that's why they signed Fournier and fucking, um, what's his name? Kimball Walker, so that there could be a decent number two with Randall. But Kimball Walker experiment has been up and down. And Evan Fournier has been inconsistent. Their only consistent production was coming from Emmanuel Quickly and Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose has been out most of the season. That could be also a reason why. But anyway, right? Celtics are struggling because they're taking too many contested shots, especially Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And they're not sticking to the plan. M.A. Udoka is a first-year head coach. 
He's still learning how to coach a team. He's still learning how to lead a group of players. You're not going to expect this guy to get it right on the first try. You got two star players. I saw a stat where one game, I think it was the last game the Celtics played, Jalen Brown took 28 shots and had no assist. Can't make this shit up. I can't make this up if I even try. 28 shots, no assist. When I believe that the Celtics should play Tatum and Brown controlling the rock. You know, getting their shit off, of course, right? But also passing the goddamn ball. Because they're going to double team Brown and Tatum at some point. And the shooters on the Celtics would have to be ready to knock down shots. Whether it be Horford, Schroeder, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Lankford, Marcus Smart. Guys got to be open to hit knock down shots. But those guys be open. And Tatum and Brown is trying to play hero ball. That shit not going to work. That's going to get one or both of y'all traded. And I know y'all don't want that. Last but not least, I do not like how, you know, my brother says this a lot. My cousin says this a lot. And I'm going to say it. I don't like how y'all niggas been treating my nigga Ice Cube. Ice Cube is a pillar of black excellence. Ice Cube has the perfect family. Ice Cube is a top 10 all-time, greatest of all-time rapper. Ice Cube put on for the West Coast. Put a lot of people on, too, for the West. He's put a lot of great comedians in great films. He's done a lot of great films and appeared in a lot of great films. And he does whatever he can for the black community. Like, I remember when y'all criticized him for going up and speaking with Trump about a plan. When he went to Biden and, and Kamala Harris for the same plan and Cube got rejected. And Trump actually listened to him. I'm not trying to get political, but I'm just saying, like, how y'all turned on Ice Cube because somebody else who was a devil rejected a plan and another devil listened to the plan. Because at the end of the day, in my opinion, all politicians are the devil. That's just me. Obama included. I don't give a fuck. All of them are devils. All of them are out for their personal gain. Politician is just like the rap game. And it's just like basketball. They all go and hang out with each other. Off the camera. Even when they ops. But I don't like how y'all been treating Cube. And a lot of people took what Faison Love said about only being paid, what, five grand to do Friday? Y'all completely left out the fact that he said he was grateful for the opportunity and he thanks Cube for putting him on. Because that Friday rule got him 
so many other gigs. But here's the thing. Ice Cube came out and defended himself. Shout out to Ice Cube. I'm gonna read those comments in a minute. All right. Somebody tweeted that, you know, he was talking shit. Somebody was tweeted Ice Cube saying that uh, it's wild how Ice Cube act like he for the people and he been robbing his own people. Pay them face on love, Chris Tucker. R.I.P. A.J. Johnson. Now, A.J. Johnson, before he passed, had said that Ice Cube didn't necessarily pay him for the first Friday. But Ice Cube had a rebuttal for all of this. He said, I didn't rob no fucking body. The 1995 Friday movie cost me $2.3 million to make. I shot it in 20 days. Faison worked one day, maybe two. All the actors got paid scale to do the movie. They could have simply said no, but they didn't. So miss me with that bullshit. I was like, tell tell these niggas, Q. Tell them, pay. Tell them, pay. <laughs> and then Ice Cube also said, we were ready to pay Chris Tucker... 10 to 12 million to do next Friday, but he turned us down for religious reasons. He didn't want to cuss or smoke weed on camera anymore. Meanwhile, Chris Tucker did Rush Hour 2 for 20 million and was cussing all through that motherfucker. I mean, I would have, I would have, niggas, niggas talk about Chris Tucker fumbled the bag. No, he didn't. That nigga got paid 20 million per Rush Hour. Motherfucker, I wouldn't do next Friday either. But me personally, I would have did both. Fuck that shit. Because, you know, next Friday was right after rush hour. So he had more than enough time to do both. He had more than enough time. I don't like these false narratives spit about Ice Cube. And then if you saw the interview with John Witherspoon, he said he got a million, he got 500 grand to do next Friday. Then he got a million to do Friday after next. So Q looked out for sure on the back end. But that's my time. I've already been going for a good 40 minutes. I appreciate y'all for checking me out and fucking with me. This is King Known Uncensored, and this is that good old NBA sports talk, and I'm out of here.